welcome to the very first Avalon Pending Podcast. Yes, welcome. Woo! So, I'm Steven. Formerly known as Steve. Yeah. Steve is our resident tech person. Runs all our servers and does the editing and all that good stuff. There you well, go. I'm, I'm Brian, and I am the resident not tech person. I'm a photographer. I enjoy playing video games and all that. So, we are here to discuss yeah. stuff with you. And hopefully this will be a reoccurring podcast. Uh, we're not too sure how it's going to go. Yeah, and like a weekly thing, hopefully, and we'll be able to get into it. Yeah. So it should be fun. Or it won't be. Yeah, or it won't be, in which case, <laughs> this is the only episode. So primarily, we're here to talk about games, uh, general entertainment stuff like TV shows and whatnot. So we're going to go ahead and talk today about uh, a few different topics. Uh, first thing we're going to be talking about is our game of the week, which is Star Conflict, a space simulator. Yeah. Space simulator. Um, we'll also be talking about a uh, our Indiegogo or Kickstarter project of the week called Moips. And it, that's pretty a, sure it's MyOps, but yeah. Moips. <laughs> that's some kind of camera app. Yep. Yep. Shows I get to talk about that. Yep. And then we're also going to go ahead and talk about our big topic of the week, the Dota 2 Championships. So we'll Ooh. go on a little bit about that. Who's who's standing where? Who's winning what? And we also have a little interview we'll go ahead and throw in there with a good friend of Brian. Who was at the tournament and able to give you know some first-hand account and his opinion on everything like that. So... Yep, that'll and be then fun. we'll wrap up with some reviews of Legend of Korra, yep. and that'll be it. And this is going pretty much going to be our general format for the podcast. Um, obviously, the introductions aren't going to take as long, but we like the idea of reviewing some show or whatever that we both like and watch. But that will change as those seasons end and we find other things to watch. Yep, like uh, The Flash. Yep, that's coming up. That'll be fun. Uh, maybe yep. Doctor Who. Possibly. Yeah. It's always fun to talk about Doctor Who. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. The games that we talk about each week are specifically free-to-play games that we find, uh, mostly on Steam. However, if you have any suggestions for ones that you want us to play, go ahead and suggest on our website. Definitely. AvalonPending.com. We'll have a a form set up in there just for uh, suggestions. And uh, so yeah, just make an account and, you know, go ahead and put something down or even tweet us. Uh, yep. All that all that stuff will be in, uh, uh, in the information later. So you'll yep. be able to hit us up however you like. Yep, yep, yep. So let's go ahead and uh, get started with the, our game of the week, shall we? Yeah, okay. So okay. our game of the week this week is Star Conflict, a space simulator of sorts. That is okay. Why don't you go ahead and give some yeah. more detailed information about it there, uh, Brian? It's made by Gaijin Entertainment, which I have always found to be a pretty decent game developer. And this game is pretty decent. I think that it definitely fills a niche of space dogfighting simulators. Definitely. Uh, it has some pretty intense PvP. If you can get past the control schemes, I think people yeah. can really get into this game. And, and if you get into, um, not guild, but a corporation, then you can do like yeah. the bigger battles, which we weren't able to do. Yeah, Like the big like world, like like galaxy battles or something like that. 
Yeah, it sounds a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely. The uh, game features several PvE and PvP modes that you can just jump into games and battle other people. You can mm-hmm. also join a queue to do a mission, which is the PvE elements. And right, which is just like taking out uh, uh, posts and little uh, automated machines that are flying around it and whatnot. Yeah, and once you do the first one, you gain some experience, you level up, and then you can do the bigger, better, better battles. Yeah, which we also didn't get to. <laughs> we yeah. didn't play for very long. It was, I that, think it was mostly because of our attempting to get the controls, and it just wasn't feeling right, and we gave up very early. We probably didn't get yeah. the game the chance it deserved, but... Yeah, a big problem was that we both decided to... Uh, run with joysticks and the game did not seem very joystick friendly even though it seems like a great like when you first play the way the mouse moves and the way the ship like moves as the mouse moves it seemed like the perfect joystick game yeah it did and no it's not it looking at the game it felt like something that joystick would do really well it reminded me of Mm -hmm. old like dogfight in the pacific sort of ten dollar World War II combat sims you could buy at Office Max or something, you know? Like even like Flight Simulator, maybe? Yeah. One of the the main Flight Simulator and all the other Flight Simulators. They're all the same. Yeah, definitely. I thought it had some pretty good graphics to it. Um, mm-hmm. Good music. Yeah, it looked nice. Oh, yeah. It, and it worked well. Like, there was no lag. I didn't mm-hmm. experience any lag. The game seemed to work well. Yeah. So the flying all... seemed pretty realistic. You know, you, when you, it felt like you were, you, you would drift like you would drift in space. It felt like it was uh, attempting to not look like or not feel like a regular playing game, but like you were actually fighting in space. Right. Uh, one of the things I was trying, you know, I was I was thinking about during all of this is that it seems to be riding on the coattails of the promise of Star Citizen, which promises right. so to like, be. They threw out, they threw it out there to get the game in while Star Citizen was popular. Right, exactly. And since we're waiting so long for Star Citizen and there's so much hype behind it, it's probably right. a good idea to, you know, put something out that sort of like goes along this vein, but uh it's also got uh, the what three factions. So you got the yeah. Empire, the Federation, the Jericho. Mhm. I guess the Empire, at least according to the pictures, the Empire looks the Empire looks um very like stand up like oh we're uh you know, very militarized, we're very um, follow the orders kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, Federation seems more like outlawy, like free Lancers do what we want, and then the Jerichos are the we're going to fucking kill you in your sleep. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Think like Empire from Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The but glowing not, eyes and everything. Yeah, do not think of like Star Trek-style Federation for the Federation, because it's definitely more of a rogue-like feel to it so empire star wars the federation is more like firefly and the empire is more like just your general space fleet yeah definitely and each faction has different ships that you can fly each individual models and they all have different aspects of what you want to do there's a gunship that's more you know has power for the guns, very intensive. Like that one has engines and running around and stealthy and stuff. And right. one of them's the other one's defense shields. Yeah. Yeah. They each have different weapons. I think one has more of like a laser. One has more like a machine gun, like a, a turret. And the other one's more like a uh, rail gun. Yeah, like plasma-based weapons. Yeah. It's all 
very specific and then eat when you know you get the basic ship and you slowly start statting up and you know getting more and more into that tier so you actually you know you stay with a particular corporation or a particular group and you know you keep buffing up that particular ship but if you switch to another one it's kind of like starting over okay uh i gave it a six out of ten uh for me partly because of the control scheme and partly because it just seemed like a lot to be thrown into at once the tutorial was nice to keep to teach you like the mechanics of the game but i enjoyed the tutorial probably more than the game yeah, probably. I think what this <laughs> is lacking is a good solid solid story of any kind that like gets you wrapped into the game. Because mm-hmm. um, I I just feel like it's missing. But it's definitely worth a look if you like simulations, especially. Yeah, it's free, uh, so it's, oh, of course yeah. it's worth a look. Yeah, but uh, I mean, yeah, it's not something to pass up. Yeah, no, I, I give it a shot, especially if you got some friends. If you got enough. Uh, I think you actually had to pay some money to get a corporation. It wasn't about numbers, but it might have been. Mm. I can't remember. But the more people you have, the better chances you are to make a corporation. And I think that part of the game probably really opens up when you can start going into the main world and fighting for stuff and achievements and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So go take a look. And now we're going to talk about Moips. What is it, Moips, Brian? Uh, Moips is... Uh, uh, it's not Moips. I'm guessing that it's supposed to be Myops. It's M-I-O-P-S. This is a smartphone-enabled high-speed camera trigger for you camera heads out there. Uh, still photos, not video. So if you can imagine trying to shoot something at high speed like a bullet going through a watermelon or something it's hard to capture that exact second that the bullet is going through and the watermelon looks cool as it's exploiting exploding and you can either spam the shutter and pray that you get it or you can set up a high speed flash system in order to get it right this offers sort of a third solution and what it is is it's a device that sits on top of your camera where your hot shoe is so basically where you put a flash or a pocket wizard or something. And oh, is that what you call it? Hot shoe? Yeah, it's hot shoe connection. Okay. Be- it's hot shoe because you can just put on a- put something on it and go. You don't have to turn anything on or whatever. So, so it's like always a hot, hot swap for um, like hard drives and whatnot. Yeah, it's the same exactly. Idea. Okay. Oh, interesting. And it's this device that's about a credit card in size but about half an inch thick and it just sits on top and it sends out a laser towards something say your watermelon and what and it's it's a super thin laser so any sort of disruption with that laser is going to trigger so when when that thing moves the camera is going to trigger itself and shoot the picture it's also used as a lightning capture so if you're someone who likes taking pictures of lightning what this does is it has a light sensor in it and once the once the sensor sees the lightning go off it triggers the camera for whatever exposure you set it to so but apparently it's so accurate that it can sense right before the lightning happens so you can actually get the the light starts to go up before it peaks exactly okay so it doesn't use the laser, though. That's just a general light sensor, like a right. really high-end light sensor. Definitely. This entire device is just a pack of sensors. Um, it's not just for one thing. There are definitely a bunch of uses. In fact, the lightning sensor would also work really well with fireworks because it's the same principle. It also has a sound sensor that they 
a talk about on the Kickstarter page, and the example they give is they are smashing a beer bottle with a hammer, and it's in the mm. complete dark. So when you smash the hammer, the sound of the glass breaking is what triggers the camera. But I think that's a little less reliable than the other ones, right? Because it'd be, yeah, the, with uh, with like if it echoes off the wall or something like that, it could easily skew the. Right, sensor. exactly. So it's you know it, it it's a it's a good little feature to have. But I don't know how necessary it is, but I think the best feature of this is all the open ports for you to add all the other sensors that you want to it. So if you're into making radio wave sensors, you could do it via radio wave or uh, X-ray sensor or whatever you want. It can even you, you know theoretically you could set up a sensor to detect the different UV the amount of UV that hits the sensor and just have it go off while you have a sunny day and not while you have a cloudy day or whatever because it's not mm-hmm. getting as much UV. So it could be pretty cool. Yeah. But this is not just a sensor. It also allows you to connect via your smartphone through a Bluetooth app. And now, a lot of high-end cameras like this nowadays can do that anyway. So what would be the benefit of this particularly being able to connect to a smartphone? Well, there comes a... a like a level of DSLR where it no longer comes with um, like Bluetooth and wireless capabilities because you have all of the consumer levels, which is good to have this wireless connectivity. And then you have the peak consumer level, like the prosumer level where people are going to want this. And then you have the strictly professional level. And those are like the $4,000 cameras, the $6,500 cameras where something like that is unnecessary because you would be using devices like this, or you'd be hooked up to um, like an ethernet cable for direct tethering or something like that. And that's, and this is definitely more for the people who like to do things manually, but one of the best things about this is that, again, it's not just the sensors. It also has time-lapse capabilities, which means it's an intervalometer. So you can set the device to trigger the camera at certain exposures at certain times. So you can make time-lapse videos, or you can do long-distance photography, um, or you can do long-exposure photography, which okay. is a lot of fun. So, uh, did they say anywhere how much this is going to cost, um, you know, consumer side? Well, so I know they, they, they've pledged a hundred and about $110,000 and they, they were hoping to get 75,000. So they obviously hit their goal. Um, right. but like how much is the, you know, after the fact going to cost or well, did they not say it? I don't think they've said it yet right now. If you want the fully working product with the Bluetooth and the app and all of that, it's $229 backing. Um, there is a model lower than that. It's called the Early Bird. It does not have the app to it, which means you can still use it as an intervalometer and all this stuff, but you have to be touching the camera when all that happens. And at that point, you might as well just use the in-camera intervalometer. So that 229 is sort of the that first go. And since it is Kickstarter, I'm guessing when they roll into production, it's probably going to be about 300 to 350. Mm-hmm. So okay. Yeah, I think this is a good solution for people who want to get into time-lapse photography, who are interested in lightning and fireworks, um, maybe want to do some HDR work as well. So I would take a look at it. Great. All right. Well, that's uh, MOIPS, or how it should probably be pronounced. MOIPS, uh, yeah. MIOPS. Pretty sure it's MOIPS. But MOIPS, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now to get on to the main event, we are going to talk about Dota 2 Championship. Which this year has a pool 
a grand prize pool of about ten thousand or ten million dollars. My bad. Yeah, ten million dollars. And the what the first place winner gets about five million of that. Yeah, and since it's it's a team of five, each of them will get like a million ish. Yep. After taxes, of course, but yeah, it's still a lot of money for per person. <laughs> yeah, it is. So we got uh, right now. It is still going on, um, but at, when we obviously post this, it'll be Monday. So you'll be able to know who the uh, finalists were and who won all that money. But it's either going to be um, Evil Geniuses. Was it Vici? Is how you said it? Yeah, Vici. Or a newbie. Right now, Evil Geniuses and Vici Gaming are currently going at it, and then the winner of that will go up against newbie for the grand finale. Yep. So, yeah, lots of fun stuff going on there. Uh, well, the other big thing along, too, with the grand prize is actually in an actual arena. Yeah, so it's being... The the event itself is actually at Key Arena in Seattle, which is mm. where a WNBA team plays, and it holds about you know ten thousand people, about appropriate for that sort of arena. But it's also within the Seattle Center, which means you have the Space Needle, you have the Experience Music Project, you have malls and food, and it's a great destination. So they did a really good job of of placement with this one. Yep. So before we get into all the nitty-gritty of who's playing who and who we think are going to win and all those kind of topics, we're going to go ahead and uh, cut to an interview uh, with a friend of Brian's. Uh, who are we? Who did we interview, Brian? Yeah, so we interviewed a, a friend of mine who was actually at the tournament, Taylor, who has gone to a few of them in the past and definitely knows what he's talking about when it comes to Dota 2. So he's going to give us a little in-depth look of actually being there and how, you know what was going on and whatnot. So we'll go ahead and uh, cut to a couple minutes of that, and then uh, uh, we'll continue talking about it after that. So what did you think of the um, – what, what was your impressions of the whole tournament so far? It's been crazy, at least comparable to the past two years, because it used to be in Benaroya Hall, and now it's in Key Arena. So it went from, what, 2,000 seat to 10,000? and in an actual like stadium stadium right it was interesting what do you think of having the i mean you have all of seattle center there and it's not just you know it's not just the stadium we have this massive place to go and hang out places to eat places to go and see tourist areas and stuff like that well actually conveniently timed there's a bite of seattle i don't know if that was intentional or not so it was cool because you could actually straight out of the stadium walk out and then boom bite of seattle going on at the same time well, that's nice because I can imagine at these sort of events, the only food you're going to see here is Mountain Dew and Doritos. So <laughs> it was probably really nice to go out there and see some of the uh, more like cuisine. nachos and overpriced beer. Yeah, that sounds like stadium <laughs> food. Eight dollars a beer, painful. It's no wonder everyone ran outside. Jeez, that ouch. Six dollars a hot dog. Ew, probably not the best hot dogs either. No, <laughs> pretty gross, all of it. So what the the people like in the stadium, it seems like it, just listening to the streams and stuff that everyone is pretty, um, you know, it, it's like a sporting event. Everyone's paying attention. Everyone's interested in what's happening and everyone's sort of somewhat knowledgeable about what's going on. Um, I'd say it compares maybe a little bit like golf. I don't know if that's a good thing, but it's generally pretty calm until something big happens and everyone just loses their minds. Or, or if uh, China's winning, you always get a chance. Same with America. <laughs> so we actually oh, have a team cool. for this year. So, if you were to talk to a new Dota player, like 
me potentially, what would you say? What, what's your best advice about getting into the game? <laughs> um, pretty guy, you don't play off Russians or Peruvians. It is definitely, you know, you play the tutorials, you play some bot matches and you start to feel more comfortable. Preferably play with a friend is always one of the greatest ways to get into it. And then uh, patience. All right, well, thank you very much for coming on and being our very first guest. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about the actual teams going up for the final right now. Um, so like I said, uh, Vici and Evil Geniuses are currently playing each other. So the current stats is according to wiki.teamliquid.net, and this is where I'm getting my current up-to-date information, Evil Geniuses 0, Vici Gaming 1. Uh, looks like Vici Gaming has been doing a little bit better than Evil Geniuses. Um, looking well, v- at the bracket, Vici. Yeah, well, Vici Gaming just Vici. came off of two wins against Team DK earlier in the day, yes. so they're probably just rolling on through. And uh, they've already gone up. No, not they, but Newbie, who is already a finalist for the grand finale for sure, actually went up against Evil Geniuses earlier and beat them uh, two to zero. So I feel like it's probably going to be Vici in the final against Newbie. What do you think? Uh, it could be. I think they definitely have the advantage just because they've already seen them in the tournament and they know how to. You know they have an idea of what's going to happen, but that doesn't right. mean, you know, it doesn't mean that Evil Geniuses can't beat this round and go on and win it. And there's no reason to say that Vici can't go on and win it. You know, right? And then um, obviously whoever wins over those two, uh, if it is Vici, they've actually already lost against Newbie even earlier. So it seems like everyone's already played each other at one point, which is a weird bracket. Yeah, I don't the bracket. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but we're sort of coming from a traditional sports bracket. Right. So, where it's either subble, uh, single or double elimination. So, so we're going to now, uh, let's see, we're going to, Vici Gaming. So, I'm, I'm not even going to, Evil Geniuses, I'm going to say they don't make it. That's my, uh, that's my prediction. So, we will have, going into the final, Vici and New, Newbie. And Vici team looks like, Though they both look like Chinese teams, honestly. Um, Vici, and because I don't want to butcher their real names, I'm just going to say their gamer tags. As Silar, Super, Rot, how would you say that? Rotik? Rotk? Rotk? I keep wanting the t on the end, but that doesn't seem right. Uh, yeah. I would Rot- just go ROTK. It might just R-O-T-K. be ROTK, but. Yeah, ROTK. Uh, Fenrir. And FY. And then on the other side, on the newbie side, we have Hao, Mu, Xiao8, Banana, <laughs> and uh, Sancheng. I love how we get a bunch of serious names and then Banana. Yeah, a bunch of more traditional names and then Banana. <laughs> uh, so those are the two teams going up against each other. I, st- I definitely feel like it's probably going to be newbie, but if Beachy comes off of it with a nice winning streak, they might uh, you know just roll right through them tomorrow. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's the current standings of the teams. But, uh, you know, speaking of how they're being teams, like we wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the fact that this seems more and more like a real sports event. Yeah, it seems like, yeah, definitely the esports is uh, really breaking into the scene. and It's bringing up some questions on what we actually consider a sport to be. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I'm sort of on the fence about it. I love the competition. I love the team aspects, but I don't know yeah. if they actually can, like, if it should be a sport because there's no, you know, athletic, right. you know, physical exertion going on. I'm with Which, you there, and I think that's why I like the, the, um, the name eSport so much. I think that wraps up completely what it is. It's electronic, internet, or however, whatever you want to associate the E with sport. It's a video game sport. So calling yeah. it an e-sport makes a lot of sense because it's not really a real sport. Right. I think the but problem people sort of get... It is a real e-sport. Yeah, I, think the, yeah. I think the problem some people really get hung up on is when you say the word sport, you think, you know, it's it's soccer or it's football or, or whatever. And these games well, are definitely not. sport's just a competition between two teams or two people. That's really all it is. Whether or not it's physical or more mental i think is you know dependent on if you call it an e-sport or you call it a regular sport yeah that makes sense because yeah I, that's a good question what's the definition of a sport uh, or definition of sport uh sports here we go Sport or sports, and this is coming from Wikipedia, so take it as you will, is all forms of usually competitive physical activity, so usually you know, which through casual or organized participation aim to use, maintain, or improve physical ability and skills while providing entertainment to participants. So, physical I guess in a ability way, and skill. But I think if you were just to replace that with mental ability and skills, or you, just it, say it ability. could still be. Right, or just ability. I think it could still be made a sport. It's just a different kind of ability or a different kind of uh, attribute that's going into it. Right. Well, I mean, the U.S. government already recognizes um, League of Legends players as athletes because they can get an athletic visa to come in for tournaments and stuff. So. Yeah, but no one cares what the government thinks anymore, so <laughs> <laughs> their opinion means nothing. <laughs> um. So yeah, I I would definitely consider it a sport. What kind of sport in particular is, again, what you get down to in specifics. But a sport overall, I would say, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and if you consider a sport anything that has, you know, thousands of people going to it inside of our arena, then it can definitely be considered a sport. Yeah, yeah, I get that. So what other sports could be considered an eSport or even possibly become an eSport? Well, I think that anything that has a serious competitive edge to it, um, things that people can really get into and it's, it, you know, can learn strategy and can find details and different ways of winning, I can see games like Civilization becoming a sort of eSport where people, I mean... It's maybe more like a maybe like a more, a more like an e like oh I can't even think of the right word because it just takes so fucking long to play. Yeah, it's a marathon. <laughs> yeah, an e marathon. Uh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean games like that would take a long time, but um, games like Hearthstone that are quick and easy and they're definitely competitive. It could turn into something like that. And they have tournaments for call of duty and stuff like that. But right. if we want, really wanted to stick with a team based game, I would say that guns of Icarus is a good candidate to candidate to become an esport. Yeah. I, 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 that could be a good esport. It'd have to be like capture the flag style though. Cause that'd be more of a sport type thing instead of just, um, you know, team deathmatch. I think, uh, uh, capture the flag or capture the point. I think would be make for a more entertaining esport. 
Right. Overall. Well, they have the Crazy King mode where like this point moves around the map, and if you right. could somehow incorporate a like more complex point system other than you've held this point for so long, like if if the number of kills actually factored in, and if there was some sort of leveling in-game leveling system, it could really work. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to go ahead and talk about our reviews, and we're going to start with Legend of Korra Episode 6. They do two episodes a week, so we're actually going to be talking about 6 and 7 pretty much together in the same review. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who haven't seen Legend of Korra, um, you can either watch on TV or go to their website. I think they usually have some episodes. It depends. Oh, they always have clips, though. Uh, otherwise, finding it is you're on, it's not, you're on your own. Um, yeah, there's some on Amazon too. If you're an Amazon, yeah, you, you can order them on Amazon. Uh, you can usually do the whole seasons usually. Yeah, for anything, but yeah. Um, and I think do they have the uh, season one and two on Netflix yet, or is that not a thing yet? Uh, I don't know if it's on Netflix. I know it's on Amazon Prime though. Yeah, I want to say it's not on Netflix, but who knows? If it's on Prime, it might be on Netflix. They usually mm. end up being the same thing. Yeah. So, episode uh, six. Episode spoilers. six specifically. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yes, spoiler alert. Um, we're going to be talking about episodes six and seven, and we'll probably also discuss stuff that happened in past episodes. So, if you haven't seen any of season three, I wouldn't recommend watching it. And right. I think you, you can get away with not seeing season one and two. I don't think we're going to spoil those too much. Uh, not really. Yeah, but it, nah. go watch them because they're good. Yeah, very good. So, season, uh, episode six, Old Wounds. And uh, so this one is pretty much about uh, Lynn Bayfong confronting her family. I yeah, think was probably yeah. the primary storyline, and you can definitely tell where some of the aggression and characteristics of Lynn and that we've seen in the past come from. And it's right not, how she turned out the way she has. And yeah, I mean, the kind of we, person she's become. Yeah, we know her mother is Toph, and we know Toph is you know she was this tough character, but sort of had a soft underbelly and kind of expected the same from Lynn, but we never but she really saw more it. hardcore the whole time. Yeah. Definitely. Some of that probably goes along with the established archetypes of a chief of police. Right. Type of thing. And she's a metal bender, which sort of makes her, you know, a grungier kind of person, I think. Yeah. And speaking of metal bending, Cora finally gets to learn it metal bending. I mean, finally and why not? She's the avatar. She's supposed to know all the kinds of bending that she can. Why is she, yep. you know, why you is see it? her learn some lightning and learn some blood bending already? Yeah, but I mean, the blood bending has been <laughs> considered illegal, so I don't think that's. She's the avatar. Yeah. That doesn't mean anything to her. And isn't it just in the city too? It's not illegal everywhere, isn't it? I thought uh, it was just the city. Yeah, I think so. Well, it's 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 not technically probably illegal everywhere, but it's definitely frowned upon. <laughs> oh really yeah no it's like i'm gonna go around controlling your body no that's yeah. not cool that's not cool um we also saw a little bit of um the bad guys in this episode going around one of them uh infiltrated republic city the air temple you know so we see a little bit of them kind of slowly moving up to their grand plan of trying to find avatar for whatever reason i'm guessing maybe to try to steal her powers because they all seem to want to yeah, something I get like the feeling that. Like they want to combine powers. That's the whole point they made the group. Yeah, because each one of them represent the different elements. I mean, yeah. when the group was originally together, when they tried to kill Korra in the past, which we also found out happened. Not kill know, her, but they wanted to take her. 
I don't right. think they necessarily wanted to kill her, though. Well, yeah, but there was a firebender, a waterbender, an earthbender, and then a non-bender, but that's only because the only airbenders were Tenzin and... Right. You know, his that's family, probably the one so. he would have picked anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it seems like Zaheer is following along the same sort of archetypes as the two previous Korra villains, because Amon was this mastermind, you know, mm. vindictive sort of hiding in the shadows villain right. that, you know, psychologically scares you more than physically scares you. Mm-hmm. And um, Unalak was sort of the same thing where he, you know, he pulled the bat and he pulled, you know, you know, he put, he tricked Cora into doing stuff that he wanted her to do. So, right now I'm wondering how that's going to play out here though. Cause obviously they wanted to take her as a kid to probably influence her. That makes sense. I understand that, but now they're trying to come after her again. What would be the reason this time? It can't be the same. She's older. She's she knows who she is more now. Well, maybe like she, she's grown into herself. Like, what possible reason? Unless it does have to do with stealing her ability to, you know, airbend and stuff, which they never even knew how it worked in the first place. Right. So, so something must have changed, because otherwise, why go after the same target when everything's different? Well, you know, at the end of the last season, Unalak became the Dark Avatar, and right. maybe that can happen again. Maybe there'll be another Dark Avatar. Maybe that's what they're trying to. Uh, yeah, but they didn't know become. about any of that stuff before. Well, maybe it depends. That guy did seem very spiritual, so he might have been able to enter the spirit world before. Yeah, possibly. But before before the whole thing, no one could do it except the Avatar. Exactly. Like, so, until that first one was open, no one was able to do it. Except, yeah. um, unless they, like, gave up their body, like, um, gen- the general did. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so that's episode six, pretty much talking about Lin the whole time and our bad guys. Episode oh, seven. Bo Lin. What, Bo What's Lin. with Bo Lin? Why is he so scared of learning how to metal bend? I think he's just worried that he's going to fail. I think that's yeah. it. I think he's self not he not self he's self conscious about the fact that he's probably he he wants to be. I think he wants to portray himself as I can do this, but then if he fails, then he won't think he can do anything. Mm, so he's gotcha. very worried about actually tackling it. Yeah, I think there's got to be something in his past too, because it it sort of feels like he's tried it before and failed, and yeah. like people made fun of him for it or something. Maybe you know. So, and since growing up pretty much as an orphan, he probably has this view of the police, who are all metal benders. Right, so know? that's all he's seen the whole time, yeah. while being in the city with his brother. That makes sense. So, episode 7, Original Airbenders, pretty much focuses on all the airbenders learning and being at the air temple, and, you know, becoming airbenders, pretty much. Yeah, and we're definitely finding out that Tenzin is not Aang. And he yeah. he's finding out himself that he may not be, you know, one of the great spiritual leaders of the past. You know, right. that, these, that this airbender culture is just based upon. The only one holding it together, but not necessarily yeah, like, you great know, at he's, it. Yeah, exactly. He's the airbender they need, not the airbender they deserve. Right. That's a, I like that. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But he tries. He tries. He takes advice from people. I mean, it's not like he's sticking one way and that's the only thing he's doing. Like, he's taking advice from his wife. He's taking advice from his brother. So he's listening to people and he's getting better. But it it could just be he's never had to deal with it before. In the past, they grew up as airbenders. In this case, they're people who are adults and have kids and families and 
it's a very different world. And there's a lot of pressure because I know that he feels, you know, he has this self-image of himself as his father, that he has this obligation to carry on these traditions. And then what's even, you know, to add insult to injury, not only is he doing, like, he's not getting the action that he wants, he's not getting the results, but Jinora, his little girl, seems to be doing it better than he ever did. Right. And I'm sure that hurts. I mean, he's his daughter and he, and he loves her, but that's got hurt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That hurts sure when anybody is. does that. It's like, how are you so good? I mean, I guess the only thing he could have is like, wow, you're my daughter. Like, at least some part of me is amazing. And that's my yeah. daughter. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, but I don't, yeah. It's it's definitely hard because he, he wants to be the airbender, but it's turning out he's not. Yeah, and that and that's a little. It feels like it's a little self-destructive, and it's uh, it's interesting to watch, and especially in a cartoon format. Yeah, and that is that's it. We're gonna wrap it up. Um, that's our first podcast. Yeah, hopefully it um, wasn't uh too bad. Yeah, uh, and, if, and we hope you really enjoyed the interview with Taylor. Yeah, if you have any um ideas for the any any Indiegogo stuff that you see that looks cool that's still going on, or game of the week, or our main topic, if anything seems to stand out for that particular week, or some big event, or game, or beta, or whatever the case is, let us know and we can go ahead and cover it and you know talk about it. Yeah, definitely. We're always open to do um, new things and experience new things because, quite frankly, oh, yeah. we like talking about things. So, so you can um, either in the information of the actual podcast, you can find everything, all the links, all our website, our Twitter, all that stuff, and or you can go to our website avalonpending.com, and um, it sounds just as it is, except one word. Um, uh, otherwise, all the information's there. Our forms are there. Um, donate, subscribe, all that good stuff that everyone already always says, but that you gotta say. <laughs> yeah, totally. We have links to our Twitter account, to our Twitch account, and YouTube mm-hmm. on the website. So, yep. yep, lots of ways to get in contact or leave information or input or whatever. So, thanks for listening. Uh, my name's Steve. I'm Brian. We're Avalon Pending. Yep, everyone. Then we'll see you next week, hopefully, if all things go well. Yep. Bye. Bye.